Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody. Coming at you with our full Week Seven preview here today uh, on a Friday morning. Cody, how are we feeling? Had some big news pop up last night that we'll get to in a second, but I'll let you uh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Some massive news coming coming across right there towards the end of Thursday night football, and. Uh, Actually had somewhat of a decent Thursday night football game for uh, fantasy players for the first time in a couple weeks, so that was also very nice to see, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited for this week. I think I got some really good best bets that will be released tomorrow, so make sure you're on the lookout for that episode, and if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on whatever listening platform that you listen to, and also make sure to throw a five-star review um, up there as well, but... Nick, I am ready to go. I know we got obviously a big piece of uh, news and a lot of injuries to run through. So if you want to, let's go ahead and dive on into that. Yeah, uh, obviously the big piece of news that came through last night. Christian McCaffrey traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Panthers get a haul for him, uh, a second, a third, and a fourth next year, and then a fifth in 2024. Uh, I, I want to start by just saying I'm um, Good for the Carolina Panthers. I, I really wish NFL teams would do this more often, to be honest with you. Uh, McCaffrey is a great player, clearly, but he's not going to be uh, a part of the next good Carolina Panther team. Good for them for recognizing that and getting what they could for him. And what they got was a ton in NFL standards. Uh, three picks, three relatively early round picks for a running back, uh, even a really good one, is a great haul for Carolina. So good for them. Uh, for recognizing their you know situation in the NFL right now. And then uh, for the Niners, um, it's a big risk. Obviously, they've had a lot of injuries, especially at the running back position, and McCaffrey is no stranger to injury himself. But, you know, his, uh, his possible role in this Kyle Shanahan offense is pretty exciting. So I don't know if we're going to see it this week necessarily. We'll get to that uh, more when we actually break down that game. But... Uh, you know, I, I think I'm excited for Christian McCaffrey and just good for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, yeah, it was huge for the Carolina Panthers because, I mean, I would say one thing, well, when you fire your coach, you kind of already know, but it's, it's always good to just be self-aware and know this is obviously not the year we're going to turn anything around. So might as well get the most out of um, their top assets. So I know there's uh, they'll probably be involved in, you know, another move or two uh, before the trade deadline, but – Good for them, and they like you said, they got a haul. Um, I think there was a report that they wanted two ones, which was basically impossible. No one was going to do that, but I did not think they'd get a second, third, a fourth, and a next year's fifth. So good for them. And then on the Niners side, yeah, you, you nailed it. You're bringing an injury-prone running back into an injury-prone running back room. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. They gave up a lot to get him, so you're you're really banking on him staying healthy for, for the uh, – Playoffs and and you know potential future for you know Christian McCaffrey and the Niners. Yeah, hundred percent. Seems like a lot for the Niners to give up for sure. But uh, again, if they end up having some playoff success and McCaffrey's a part of it, they they won't care about that second, third, and the fourth that they gave up. Um, that is true. So we'll see how it plays out for them. We'll get into more uh, specific CMC reaction when we break down uh, Kansas City and San Francisco later. But I'm going to run through all of the injuries real quick, and then uh, we will get to the Thursday night recap, and then we'll get to the rest of the previews after that. Um, okay, so starting out, Elijah Moore. Uh, this is another kind of more of an, a news bit than an injury bit, but he asked for a trade earlier this week. 
he won't play this Sunday. According to uh, Robert Sala, it's because of his mental state, not because of uh, you know a punishment or because of any physical injury. But the Jets have no plans to trade him. I would expect him to remain on the roster uh, moving forward, but he won't play this Sunday, and there is some disgruntlement going on there, definitely because of his role in the offense. Uh, he did not get a target last week against Green Bay. So we'll have to wait and see on Eli Moore, but definitely keep him on your bench. You can actually drop him if you want, to be honest, and redraft leagues. But um, Jonathan Taylor practiced in full. He should be good to go. Looks like he's going to make his return. Damian Harris practiced in full on Thursday. That was a surprise. His uh, his status is not certain, even though he practiced in full. Seems like they're not willing to say he'll definitely play. But uh, definitely a blow to Ramondre Stevenson owners. And even if he plays, I'm still comfortable starting Stevenson. But uh, Harris back at practice uh, a little sooner than we expected. Mark Andrews missed practice Wednesday and Thursday with a knee issue. That one was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I think Friday's practice report will be telling. I, you know, don't. I, I would sell, still bet on him playing if I had to lean one way or another. But you definitely got to keep an eye on that one. Uh, Hunter Renfro downgraded to a did not practice on Thursday with a hip issue. Looks like uh, he might have injured that in practice because he was a full practice on Wednesday. So definitely get Hunter Renfro out of your lineups. Looks like he's not going to play this weekend. Tyler Lockett also did not practice Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, he's again another one up in the air, uh, but. Definitely keep an eye on him. Make other plans. Lockett is a three o'clock game as well, so you're probably going to want to ha have a you know a different plan there unless it comes out early in the day that Lockett's going to play. Keenan Allen uh, limited on Wednesday and Thursday, so that's good in a general sense. Looks like he's working his way back, but they have a bye next week, so I would bet on them sitting Allen one more week and then bringing him back uh, after you know after the bye, making sure he's fully healthy. Uh, Rashad Bateman limited Wednesday and Thursday. Looks like he's going to return this weekend. I would go ahead and play him if he's in, but another guy uh, that will be a, you know, a lot. A, the Friday report will be telling for Rashad Bateman. DeAndre Swift was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. A little disappointing to see him limited in practice coming off the bye. Thought he might be fully healthy. Leaning towards him playing. If he plays, you're playing him, but uh, just still somebody you have to keep an eye on. He's not fully over those uh, injury issues. He has an ankle and a shoulder. Jalen Waddell with his shoulder injury was also limited Wednesday and Thursday. Another guy I would expect to play this weekend, but again, keep an eye on him. Kenny Pickett cleared concussion protocol. He is good to go. Uh, that was must have been a very minor concussion as far as uh, concussions go because they are clearly being very careful with um, you know that uh, the, the concussions in general and uh, he you know hurt himself a few days ago so he's he's back in action and then Dak Prescott is good to go as well he will play this Sunday against Detroit Cody uh, any specific reactions to the injury news I just laid out or do you want to just uh, react to it when we do the previews yeah we can kind of re retouch on these whenever we're doing the previews of uh, each individual game but I I'm, I do agree with you on the Kenny Pickett news very surprised they're going to put him out there in a uh, yeah primetime game a week after a concussion kind of risky business there by the Steelers 100% yeah playing against Tua Tungavailoa a little bit of a uh, full circle moment there for the NFL so hopefully Pickett is okay uh, but before we get into the rest of the previews let's just touch on the Thursday night action from last night uh, Arizona takes it 42 to 34 so thank you to us for recommending the under there uh, both teams almost <laughs> cleared it on their own in this one. Uh, pretty crazy game. Two defensive touchdowns within a minute of each other. 
is uh, always going to, you know, break a underbetter's heart. So I don't really know if I take issue with uh, the bet that we made there, but clearly these offenses got going a little bit more than we expected. Um, as far as the fantasy impact moving forward goes on the Arizona side, I think 14 targets for DeAndre Hopkins was a great sign. Looks like he's pretty much back and is the clear number one for Arizona. A little bit of a rough fantasy day for Kyler in general. Uh, didn't you know end up with the touchdown luck here in this one. And then again, whenever your quarterback's team returns two defensive touchdowns on the other side, it's going to be hard for them to have a big day. So I'm not really worried about Kyler moving forward. I think he'll be better uh, with uh, Hopkins back in the lineup. And then a good day for Eno Benjamin. He got in the end zone, had a couple catches, uh, got in for a two-point conversion as well. So good to see him bounce back after a rough effort against the Seahawks. Uh, any any uh, thing you want to react to on the Arizona side, Cody? Uh, no, nothing that I really want to follow up with other than uh, when Kyler runs, he looks like he might be the second fastest running quarterback behind Lamar Jackson, which he probably is, but he can move. I can't, maybe I just haven't watched enough Cardinals games this year, but there were a couple of times he took off, and I was like, man, did he? I don't know why he just doesn't do this more often because their offense, it'd be hard to get their offense off the field if he was running once every you know, five to ten plays, similar to how Lamar Jackson does it. Yeah, I, I think they that's a good great point there, Cody. He really needs to run to open up this offense. He would not have been the number one overall pick if you would have told Arizona he was not going to, to run the ball a lot as, a, as an NFL quarterback. That was a big, you know, obviously a big proponent of his game and should be moving forward, but we'll see how they use him. On the New Orleans side, uh, the offense has a little bit of an up-and-down day. Andy Dalton kind of showed his uh, good and bad side there. A couple, obviously, pick sixes uh, in the first half sort of killed them in the long run, but the offense itself showed up pretty well. 494 total yards. Dalton threw for four scores. Uh, Chris Olave's a beast, um, but I don't really have any specific reactions for New Orleans. I think all the guys that... We liked, kind of did their thing. You know, Taysom Hill got into the end zone, didn't have a ton of yardage, so sort of still had an okay fantasy day. But, you know, out of the tight end position, you'll probably take it. But, uh, again, Alave, Camara, they're both very good. And uh, Taysom Hill is a boom-bust tight end. We kind of saw all of that play out sort of the way we expected. Yep, I don't think a single thing changed between uh, between yesterday or Tuesday when we recorded and today when it comes to the uh, New Orleans Saints. I still love Kamara and Olave, and then um, yeah, Taysom Hill is just if he gets in the end zone, you're going to be happy with it just because of the position, but uh, still pretty risky because if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's he's busting pretty easily there. So luckily, he did last week or last night though. Yeah, and shout-out Juwan Johnson had a pretty good game from the tight end position, actually made Taysom Hill the second-best tight end play on New Orleans in this one. That is true, Um, But uh, moving into the rest of these Week 7 previews here, we got a lot to get to, so I want to uh, start hammering these out. We will begin with Atlanta at Cincinnati. Uh, Kind of an interesting game here uh, as far as just the way these teams have been so far this year. Both of them come in at 3-3. Cincinnati favored by 6.5 points. Over-unders 47.5. A pretty good total here. So should be some intriguing options in this one. On the Atlanta side, uh, Mariota himself I think is a low-end streaming option. Probably more comfortable as a high-end QB2 in a super flex situation, but... You know, with buys, I think he is in consideration. Would you rather start uh, Marcus Mariota or Trevor Lawrence, Cody? 
Yeah, I think this week I'm going to lean uh, Marcus Mariota just slightly based on the rushing upside for him. Um, I know Lawrence got in the end zone twice with his legs last week, but um, if I had to bet on which quarterback would do that again uh, from this point on, I would have to lean Mariota. So um, from that perspective and just both matchups, I think I'm going to lean slightly uh, Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I think uh, I, I like that as well. His rushing upside does provide a floor, especially with these lower end QB options. That is uh, just nice to have because you know these guys. You, you're always worried about them just completely busting. Mariota, you think would at least give you uh, some points on the ground to save a day, even if he doesn't play well. But uh, the running backs for Atlanta: Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley. I don't know if there's one that you prefer over the other. I think you probably got to go Algier just because he's the younger guy and has been getting slightly more run, but they are splitting pretty evenly right now, and both of them are kind of the same guy in that they're not really involved in the passing game whatsoever, and they're basically just getting you know 12 to 15 carries right up the middle. It's not a very exciting uh, role for a fantasy perspective, but running backs that are getting that much work deserve mention uh, in fantasy either way. So... Uh, I think I want to just get a temperature check on how you feel about these Atlanta guys. Obviously, lower end options uh, and definitely, definitely better in non PPR formats. I think I want to note that to begin. But uh, would you rather start Tyler Algier or Caleb Huntley to begin, Cody? Um, if I had, I guess I would just slightly lean Algier just because he has been getting slightly more work and he is, like you said, just the younger guy. So they may just try and turn a little bit more work to him, but. Um, very unenthusiastically choosing Tyler Algier there. And then uh, a couple other lower end flex options for you. Tyler Algier, Tony Pollard, or Alec Pierce, Cody. Rank those three for me. Uh, so I'm going to go Alec Pierce, number one. Um, even in non-PPR formats, I just think that he could – you know, he could catch two balls and get as many yards as Algiers getting in his 12 carries. So um, even in non-PPR, I still think I'm leaning Pierce there. Um, and then in uh, when it comes to Pollard, I think I am a little bit um, – I think I'm going to go Pollard probably over Algiers just because they have a really good matchup with the Lions, but I'm not really sold on that if you wanted to go with the guaranteed touches. I'd get it, but I think Pollard has a chance to break a break one against the Lions, and I just don't know if Algier could could do that this week. So uh, Pollard just barely over these these Atlanta options. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on Alec Pierce. We'll get to that later, but I am actually very high on him this week, especially. Uh, hopefully, he can continue his good run. But yeah, these Atlanta options are low end flexes and much better in non PPR formats. Uh, wide receivers, Drake London is the guy we're considering here. Uh, he's kind of fallen back into the wide receiver three territory just because of the very, very low passing volume offense that he's in. His target share has been solid, but you know when you're getting 25% of, of 16 throws, it uh, just doesn't leave much for you on the back end. Uh, I'm hoping that Atlanta is forced to throw a little bit more in this one. I've said this for a couple weeks, but again, this is another game that they're touchdown underdogs in. There should be some points on the board. Hopefully Atlanta's chasing them and actually has to throw a little bit more than they have in uh, the past few games, but we'll see. Would you? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a couple low-end wide receiver three options out for you, see how you're feeling about Drake London. Uh, would you rather start London, Brandon Ayuk against Kansas City, or Romeo Dobbs against Washington? Yeah, I'm going to go London over uh, both of those other guys. Again, you kind of – 
nailed it right before uh, for throwing it over to me. I just think that they're going to have to be throwing in this game. I feel like they're going to be uh, trailing to Cincinnati uh, for the majority of it. So I, I like London. I think there's a good chance he can get back in the end zone this week. And like you said, if he can maintain a 25% target share, but we just get you know an extra five, ten throws a game, then he's he definitely gets a bump up there. So. I'm going to go London. And then between Ayuk and Dobbs, I'm just going to lean Ayuk. I'm just kind of out of the Romeo Dobbs camp for right now. Um, I, in full PPR, I think that he's, he should get some looks just because he can be uh, he can get targeted a good amount from Aaron Rodgers. But other than that, Dobbs has just been very unexciting for me for fantasy football purposes. Yeah, I have hope for these Atlanta guys, but just knowing the way they want to run this offense, it, it does scare me a little bit. Obviously, the past few weeks haven't gone the way we've wanted, but I am hoping Cincinnati forces them to uh, put the ball in the air a little bit more in this one. Uh, as a guy that has a very big Drake London share, I am hoping that we get to see him uh, throwing the ball a few more times to see what he can do. Um, and the other guy in this Atlanta offense, as far as the pass catchers go, is Kyle's Pitts. He scored a touchdown last week, but again, he has the same problem Drake London does. He just really needs uh, a few more opportunities to have consistency moving forward. Again, this is a game you'd figure he would have a few opportunities in since this defense is pretty tough, but hopefully their offense just puts some pressure on Atlanta to uh, put the ball in the air. Would you rather start TJ Hawkinson or Kyle Pitts this week, Cody? Hawkinson playing the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I was going to say I'm going to lean Kyle Pitts just because I think that this is a matchup where the um, Falcons are going to have to be throwing the ball, so I think London and Pitts both can get a little bit of a bump up. Um, But you have a note in here about Hawkinson that he's pretty much the perennial tight end seven on any given week. I feel like Pitts may be the perennial tight end six on just about any given week. So I I think that they're right there next to each other, but I would slightly lean Pitts over, over Hawkinson. I think Kyle Pitts owners would be happy with a tight end six performance uh, at this point. So hopefully Kyle Pitts gets a few more targets this week and shows us what he can do. Uh, But yeah, I think this setup is kind of what you want for Kyle Pitts as far as, you know, having the uh, Atlanta be uh, underdogs and the over under be pretty high. So if he does again this week, I don't know if we're going to be able to trust him at all the rest of the year. Um, on the Cincinnati side, uh, Joe Burrow obviously is in. I think, again, the Cincinnati group is usually really easy for us, especially in a matchup with a weaker defense here. Uh, Atlanta's defense actually played a little bit better than we've expected so far this year, but not someone, uh, not a defense that scares you off any of the options. So Joe Burrow, we're starting. Joe Mixon, we're starting. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they're both healthy. We're starting them. Really, the only question here comes with Hayden Hurst, and I would call him a low-end streamer. I'm not really excited to play him when both Chase and Higgins are healthy and in the lineup. So I think uh, that's pretty much it on the Cincinnati side. Starting Burrow, starting Mixon, starting Chase, starting Higgins, and then uh, Hurst is a desperation tight end if you have to go there. Yep, and if you do have to go there, the the one bright side is this Atlanta team seems to have some pretty good corners, so you may just get a little bit more look for Hayden Hurst, but I agree he's still just a low-end streamer at best. Indianapolis at Tennessee is our next one. Tennessee favored by 2.5 points in this one, over-unders 42.5. I really don't know what to make of either one of these teams, Cody, just kind of in a general sense, to be honest. I, I, I could see this game going really any way. Uh, I... 
I think both of these teams are kind of the quintessential just wild card teams any given Sunday. They can sort of lose to anybody and play with anybody in any given week. Uh, we've seen that with Indy beating Kansas City a few weeks ago and then, you know, losing 24-0 to the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, a few weeks before that. So just kind of a crapshoot game. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But on the Indy side... I think Matt Ryan's actually in the low-end starting range this week with all the QBs uh, on by that would normally be in fantasy lineups. I would start him over Russell Wilson, Tua against Pittsburgh. I'd start him over Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, you know, those kind of low-end streaming options at this point. Uh, so I think Matt Ryan's actually a pretty solid play if you have, say, uh, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, or Kirk Cousins as your usual starter. Yep, I don't mind that. The only one I disagree with is Tua, but I would agree I'd start him over Russ, Lawrence, and Rodgers for sure this week. And then whoever starts out of this indie running back group I think is in your lineup. It looks like it's going to be Taylor at this point. Uh, he was a surprise inactive last week. That's why I kind of made this note, but it looks like both Taylor and Hines uh, it looks like all three of these guys are going to play, but uh, Taylor is the guy you want. Hines would be more of a desperation flex, and then Deion Jackson's just a, uh, a handcuff at this point if both of those uh, guys are in the lineup. Uh, on the wide receiver side, I like these options a lot this week. Tennessee has a little bit of a funnel defense. They have a, a stronger run D and a very weak secondary, so you'd expect both of the options here to have solid days. That's Michael Pittman, who uh, had 16 targets last week. We don't expect quite that volume week to week, but you know, just knowing that's in the bag is a, uh, a good sign, and you're absolutely putting him in your lineup. And then the other guy here is Alec Pierce. He's been getting more involved. He's looked pretty good. Had a late touchdown last week that ended up sealing the victory for Indy. Uh, so it looks like Matt Ryan trusts him even in big spots. I really like Alec Pierce this week. And uh, I'm going to get a temperature check on you uh, for Alec Pierce. So this week, would we rather start uh, Alec Pierce, Michael Gallup, or Jerry Judy? Gallup playing the Detroit Lions. Jerry Judy playing the New York Jets. Yep. So... I whenever whenever I initially did this, I think I went Pierce, Gallup, Judy, and I think I'm going to stick with that because I I've been I've been liking Pierce a lot over these past couple weeks. I think he's really just kind of uh, he's popped on the primetime game on Thursday night, and then he looked really good last week as well. Um, but him and Gallup are both very similar to me. They're basically an interchangeable one and two. But I think both of these options are a clear tier above Jerry Judy and just that that Denver offense that's been pretty bad so far yeah I think so as well especially in that Denver game with that really low over under uh, Pearson Gallup actually profile very similar to similarly to me as players just in general again like he's like the number twos in their offense they're both sort of downfield outside guys that can uh you know take the top off of a defense so I think they both profile very similarly both of them have very good matchups but uh, Alec Pierce Coming in with a healthy Matt Ryan, has the rapport going. Uh, I think I would play him just over Gallup because we haven't seen it yet with uh, Dak Prescott yet this year. Um, that's pretty much it on the indie side. We like both the wide receivers, and then you're playing uh, Jonathan Taylor, assuming he is in as well. Uh, on the Tennessee side, Ryan Tannehill. He's a fine bi-week replacement in a two-quarterback situation, but that's about it for him. Indy's defense really hasn't been as good as we expected coming into this year yet, so they're not necessarily a matchup that scares you. Derrick Henry lit up this Colts defense for a couple touchdowns and 100 yards a few weeks ago, so he's absolutely in your lineup, no questions there. Robert Woods is really the only guy on the pass-catching uh, side of things for Tennessee that I'm even looking at. 
I think he's a fine bye week fill-in. I'm not necessarily excited to start him, but he is certainly on the radar with all the guys on bye. Uh, I'm going to just throw out a few options for you to give me uh, a temperature check on Robert Woods. We're going to go Robert Woods, George Pickens against the Dolphins, Darnell Mooney against the Patriots, and then uh, our guy that we just talked about, Tyler Algier against the Bengals. Yeah, so this is another really tough one, but I think I'm going to lean Woods. Um, so one coming out of the bye week, they should just their offense should come out looking somewhat um, just cohesive, and they should have some game plans ready to go for this week. Um, so I think that Robert Woods should just see a steady involvement. Number two, I'm going to go with Mooney, um, and those two guys I kind of just grouped together as they're just the number one receiving options on their team. So. Um, in a week where they could potentially be down and having to throw the ball to make a comeback, I like either of those two options as a deep league flex option. Um, number three, I'm going to have Algier, and that's just because of the guaranteed workload. And then number four, I'm going to have Pickens, and we'll get into Pickens a little bit more when we talk about the Steelers. I just think that um, they're coming off of a really big win last week against the Buccaneers. I could see the Steelers just having a complete bust week all around. So um, to take my list again, I think Woods and Mooney are kind of in that same tier, um, you know, one or two interchangeably, and then Algier, and then I'd have Pickens as number four. I think I would actually have Pickens leading this group. I think that's just more of a gut call than anything else with Pickett coming back in the lineup. He's kind of preferred uh, George Pickens on the outside uh, oh, yeah. as opposed to his other options, <laughs> hoping that he has the, uh, you know, he has just the most upside out of this group, but definitely a safer floor with Woods and Mooney as far as their target share goes. So I wouldn't blame you if you went there. None of these options you're very confidently starting. These are all kind of guys that were considering uh because of the bye weeks right now so yeah um robert woods a solid play but just kind of manage your expectations there he doesn't have quite the upside uh as some of the other younger receivers in the league do um anything else on this game cody nope i think we nailed it all righty giants at the jaguars is our next one jacksonville favored by three points uh the five and one new york giants versus the two and four jags jacksonville jaguars Jacksonville favored by three points in this one. Again, I think that tells you a lot about how Vegas feels about these Giants. Over-unders 43 in this one. Uh, starting on the New York Giants side, this, again, uh, is another team that is pretty easy. I think Daniel Jones is a you know okay option in a 2QB league. That's about it for him, not considering him in one quarterback leagues, even with these uh, the buys right now. Saquon Barkley is obviously a starter. Probably the number one running back uh, moving forward uh, as far as you know fantasy as a whole goes. And then on the pass-catching side for the Giants, we just have a few sort of interesting options to keep an eye on more than uh, we're starting them confidently. That's Wandale Robinson on the wide receiver side. Still a bench stash. He's been getting more involved, but I don't think you can put him in your lineup just yet. You'd have to be pretty confident in his ability. Uh, he has not quite gotten worked into being a full-time player yet, so if he does... Could be an option, but uh, on the on the wide receiver side, he's really the only one I'm looking at uh, for the Giants right now. And then Daniel Bellinger in the tight end spot is a low-end streamer. He has been very involved in the red zone. His yardage totals haven't quite been there. He kind of is what he is. If he scores a touchdown, you'll be happy with him. If not, uh, he's probably going to have a pretty disappointing day. So uh, as far as rookie tight ends go, Cody, we have a couple interesting guys this week. Would you rather start Daniel Bellinger here against the Jaguars or Cade Otten 
against the Carolina Panthers. He's on the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, absolutely. So if you would have asked me this question last week, I definitely would have been leaning Bellinger. But with Cameron Braid getting hurt, um, I'm, I'm starting to lean on the side of Otten. Um, I don't I don't necessarily mind having to throw these guys in there, especially as like a um, a streaming option if one of your big guys is on a bye week. But I just I'm not going to try and you know put my season in the hands of a rookie tight end, uh, fantasy football wise. So. If you're someone who's banking on Bellinger or Otten to kind of break out as a rookie tight end, I would probably try and stash another tight end there as well because it doesn't seem to work out very well for rookie tight ends. Yeah, it's usually pretty bad business in fantasy football to be relying on a rookie tight end. They have trouble with consistency. Uh, It's just a hard position to learn, uh, especially early on in your career. Uh, and then especially as later round picks, you really just don't see those guys having big years, especially uh, in their rookie year, Cody. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Wandale Robinson? I uh, I like the player. I don't really know what to think of him long term just because this Giants offense doesn't offer him a ton of upside. But are you interested in him in general or what's your what's your temperature on him? I, I think it would have to be some form of PPR format just because this this offense doesn't push the ball down the field at all. Like we talked about in our recap show, it's a lot of uh, – smoke and mirrors behind the line of scrimmage look at this we're going this way but the ball's going the other way and it's just a lot of a lot of just trying to make the defense um confused and when you have wide receivers in that offense there's a chance that they can break plays you know long screens for touchdowns which is nice but there's just the offense isn't consistently pushing the ball downfield so you know, Wandale could potentially have, you know, six catches for 20 yards because he's getting hit close to the line of scrimmage consistently. So I don't mind him as a bench stash, especially with through the bye, um, a lot of bye weeks and with, um, you know, the Giants are good, so they're going to want to be competitive in every single one of their games. So they're going to be, in, you know, throwing the ball if they need to. So I don't mind him, but he's not my favorite player to have in fantasy I have him in our mini dynasty league, and it's still just I, – I don't know at what point I feel confident putting him in my lineup over, you know, another – you know, an Alan Lazard or someone like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I think what you're hoping is that the Giants are forced to open up the offense a little bit more as the season goes. They probably won't have all of these positive game scripts that they've had so far. I don't really believe in them as a 5-1 and one team moving forward. I think this is going to be more of a 500 club the rest of the year. So uh, hopefully they just have to pass a little bit more. And if they do and Wandale becomes the one, I think that's when you're looking at somebody that might be a consistent fantasy option. But again, that's a lot of ifs on that side. So I understand the trepidation on Wandale Robinson. Um, On the Jacksonville side, I think Trevor Lawrence in the, at the quarterback position is kind of in that low-end starting category. We've seen him have dud weeks against good matchups. We've seen him have good weeks against bad matchups. He's a young quarterback. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs here, so you just have to manage your expectations if you're putting him in your lineup. But I think he's in the low-end starting uh, starting tier with all the buys. Uh, would you rather start Trevor Lawrence or Tua Tungavailoa this week, Cody? I think I asked you earlier on Mariota, so I know where you're going to go, but I just want you to give your reasoning. Yep, I'm going to go Tua um, on this one. For me, I, I don't know if it's really too much of a, like a anti-Trevor Lawrence take because I still think he has a chance to be really good. It's just, for me, I want to have the... 
I want to have the guy who's throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and you know Raheem Mostert out of the backfield, as opposed to you know Christian Kirk and Etienne Robinson, whoever in the backfield is there. I just feel like Miami's offense is just more established for Tua to kind of step right back in and just continue what he was doing, whereas the Jacksonville offense can kind of just completely disappear on on a week to week basis. So just in, in a you know, 12 QB league, if if you're deciding between Lawrence or Tua, I think you have to go Tua just because he's not guaranteed to have a better week, but he most of the time should. But if you are if you had a Josh Allen or a Jalen Hurts and you need to stream somebody, Trevor Lawrence is fine. I just feel like there's a chance he busts on just about any given week. Yeah, we haven't seen the Miami offense really have uh, the dud week that the Jacksonville offense has had a few times so far this year. And like I said before, the matchup, not always indicative of how Lawrence is going to play, but this one doesn't really feel like a game that's going to shoot out and uh, you know be one that he is going to have to throw the ball a ton to, to catch up to this Giants offense. So seems like a lower scoring game, and I wouldn't be necessarily excited to start Trevor Lawrence in this one. Uh, on the running back side, I think this is where a little bit more of an interesting conversation can be had uh, between Travis Etienne and James Robinson. This split has been pretty 50-50 so far this year. Etienne seems like the guy that's emerging right now. Hopefully, uh, for Etienne owners, he can take a little bit of a larger share of this backfield. And really, I think the key to his his value is going to be uh, unlocking his receiving potential. Hopefully, he can get a few more targets week to week. He's been living in kind of that two to four range. I'd like to see him closer to the four to six range. I think that would really open things up for him. Uh, but Cody, how are you feeling about these guys? Uh, this kind of feels like more of a Robinson week, especially with Jacksonville favorite at home, but I don't really know how to, uh, to value these guys right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think it's practically impossible um, to value them. And I, if I could, I would try to avoid playing either Jacksonville option. Um, but with bye weeks and you know injuries, it's very hard to do so. But I think you're kind of just starting the same player if you start either Etienne or Robinson, and you're just hoping that one of them gets the larger percentage of the work. Um, Etienne, like his potential upside does come in the passing game, which Robinson doesn't necessarily have that. So if you're asking me who I'd like on a weekly or rest of season, I think Etienne is more promising with the passing upside as well as, you know, he's starting to take some of the workload from Robinson. So it would it would be odd if we saw it kind of swing all the way back to in Robinson's favor. Um, but am I excited to have to play either of these two guys? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think I would be trying to avoid it if at all possible. Um, but I, I would have more confidence starting ETN, which – I think it's a pretty big thing to say because I've been on the Robinson side pretty much since the start of the season. But I told you last week, if ETN outperforms Robinson in a neutral game, then I think we have to start leaning on the side of ETN. So it seems like you prefer ETN over Robinson this week. Uh, so uh, a couple other options in other games I want to get your temperature on. We're going to go ETN, uh, A.J. Dillon against the Washington Commanders, or Clyde edwards Lair on the road against San Francisco. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I man, Clyde's Clyde's tough. He's the toughest one here for me because I would like to just say he's my number one, but uh, we'll we'll get into him a little bit more. I can't say that anymore. I guess I'd have to go Dylan at the number one spot, very unconfidently. Etn two, Clyde three. Um, 
I'm actually going to take away everything I just said. ETN 1, Dylan 2, Clyde 3. Um, and I, I just – all of them are, are unconfidently going to be started, but I think I would have most confidence in ETN. I think all three of those guys are really interesting uh, from a, you know, just a fantasy perspective because they're all sort of in a similar situation where we aren't too sure of how their split's going to work out, but they're all in offenses that we're interested in. So, you know, they're, yeah. they're all guys <laughs> that people are probably going to have to be throwing in their lineups one way or another. So I just kind of like having these conversations. I think, I think they're pretty useful for the listeners. Uh, I, I, I agree with you, Cody. I'm pretty unconfident in my ranking of these three, but I would probably go ETN, Clyde, and then Dylan. Clyde over Dylan just because I believe the uh, he probably has the best chance to score a touchdown out of these three. So I, I think I'd be most confident in him uh, to score a touchdown, but then ETN has looked the best recently, and hope you're hoping that he uh, has the best yardage uh, output out of these three. So. Hoping yeah. that he gets more involved in the passing game. Yeah, one positive on ETN, he does have the best chance out of these three to overtake his his backfield. I don't think Clyde or Dylan are going to become the main guy in either of their situations. So, yeah, ETN should get actually a pretty decent bump this week when we're talking about those those three. Most upside for sure out of those three, no question. Um, barring injury in any of those backfields, but yeah. Wide receivers for Jacksonville, another kind of interesting conversation here. Uh, before we get into it, would you rather start ETN or these Jacksonville wide receivers, Cody? I think that's kind of another interesting conversation to have. Um, I think I would go Christian Kirk still over ETN, um, but it would just be for one more week. I'm I'm on the edge of just you know kicking Kirk to the curb. Not, not dropping him literally, but just need to kind of see him get it back. He's, he's moved away from that locked and loaded wide receiver too to uh, really, really boom or bust. So um, slightly Kirk, and then I think I would still play ETN over Zay Jones um, this week. Yeah, I think his, his, uh, his target totals have been a little concerning. Definitely moving in the wrong direction for Christian Kirk the last few weeks. Like you said, I think we're one more game from uh, having to have a conversation about Kirk's weekly startability. But, uh, again, I think it's just going to be – it's more about his involvement in this offense that is uh, Christian Kirk. I think if we see, you know, a 9 or 10 target game and he has a little bit of a disappointing output, I'm going to be more encouraged than I would if he has four or five targets and has a good game, if that makes sense. So I'm hoping to see Christian Kirk get back to being the unquestioned number one from a target standpoint in this offense. We'll see if that happens. And then Zay Jones, I think, is uh, a bi-week fill-in type of guy. He's seen 13 targets the last two weeks combined. You know, that's a solid number for a guy in, uh, you know, an offense that has the potential to be pretty good. So you can throw him in there. He's kind of a low-confidence play, but uh, somebody that I am starting in our 12-team double flex league. So I'm sure there are other people out there that are looking at Zay Jones as an option. Hopefully he gets in the end zone, but he's a guy that's going to see six to seven targets. So he, he's on the radar. Yep, I agree. I think Zay Jones definitely is, especially in full PPR and half PPR, someone that should be started through uh, through this bye week and then the upcoming bye weeks for sure. And then Evan Ingram, it's anyone's guess how many targets he's going to have week to week. It could be seven to eight. It could be one or two. Uh, he's another guy that's kind of in that low-end streaming category. I called him uh, Hayden Hurst South in the notes here, and I feel pretty good about that. I, I, I feel like he's kind of just a crapshoot tight end, which... That, that kind of describes a lot of them, but he's not somebody I'm incredibly confident starting. Yeah, he's on the lower end of streamers for me as well. Um, I, I think 
you're going to be hard hard pressed to find a league that there's not a better option out there than Evan Ingram, at least in my eyes. So, um, if you are in that unfortunate situation, it's fine. But I, I think there should be other options out there. Um, at least every week when you're running, when you're looking at your waivers, there should at least be one other, um, you know, streamable tight end out there. So, I, I would if you're starting Evan Ingram, I'd definitely take a look at that. Real quickly, Cody Ingram or Bellinger in this game? Um, I would I would have to go on the side of Ingram barely, I guess. I think Bellinger's kind of in that same category as well, but Ingram might actually get some work outside of the red zone, so I'm gonna go Ingram. I'll go Bellinger just for the memes in this one. Hopefully he gets in the end zone for us once again. Um, uh, Cleveland to Baltimore is our next game here. Baltimore favored by six and a half points. Over under is 45 and a half. Uh, Cleveland at two and four coming into this one. Baltimore at three and three. On the Cleveland side of things, uh, we're not considering the quarterback position. That's Jacoby Brissett. Uh, for the running backs, Nick Chubb is obviously in your lineup. Had a little bit of a disappointing week last week, but for somebody that's not involved in the passing game, he's going to have a few weeks like that. And again, that New England Patriots defense has been really, really good against running backs. So I'm not concerned about him moving forward. Kareem Hunt's a little bit more of an interesting conversation. It was really disappointing to see him get completely worked out of the game plan for Cleveland, but was just kind of a bad day at the office. I would like to see him get a few more targets, though. Uh, I thought maybe Jacoby Brissett would be dumping the ball off to his tight ends and running backs a little bit more than he has. Uh, it's worked out for David Njoku, not so much for Kareem Hunt. I think we probably have to you know, have conversations about Hunt now instead of just locking him into our lineups like we were uh, moving into that game. So would you uh, I would I would like I, I would assume that Hunt gets more worked into this game, but again, it's just something that you have to note. It is a possibility for him to be worked out of the game plan. Would you rather start uh, I'm gonna give you a few guys here. Kareem Hunt, Brian Robinson Jr. against the Packers, or uh, Travis Etienne uh, or I guess James Robinson in that uh, Giants game. Yep, so first is going to be Brian Robinson for me, and we'll we'll touch on him here in a little bit as well, but I just feel like he's going to be the clear-cut guy, and the other three names are all, you know, split backfield. So I'm going to go Brian Robinson as, as my number one. And then number two, um, I know I have Hunt here in the notes, but I think I'm actually going to pivot to ETN. Um, I, I do agree with you. I think Kareem Hunt should be – more involved this week against the Baltimore Ravens, but can't say that for certain now after last week. So I'd go Brian Robinson, ETN, and then Hunt, number three, and then James Robinson, number four. Um, but yeah, it is interesting how, I mean, even going into the season, we kind of had Nick Chubb as a locked and loaded running back that you wanted in fantasy drafts and you wanted on your roster. And now, you know, we're looking at names like you know, James Robinson maybe played over him or Brian Robinson and stuff like that. It's just kind of crazy to see how how far he has fallen compared to where we had him just, you know, seven weeks ago. Yeah, um, I definitely agree that he has more of a conversation than he was uh, even a few weeks ago as far as the running back position goes. But I'm going to keep the confidence in Hunt. I think I would play him over those other options we just suggested. Uh, it's not a strong lean, but I just believe that he will, you know, it's kind of going to be a squeaky wheel gets the grease sort of situation here. After a down week, I expect the Cleveland Browns to put an emphasis on involving their running backs in this one, especially because Baltimore has a little bit of a tougher secondary. Um, on the wide receiver side, 
Amari Cooper has a tough matchup this week. He has been very uh, home road split dependent. I don't know if I put a ton of stock into that uh, moving forward. That's kind of a fluky thing uh, for most guys week to week, but it is something to note. He's going to be tough to avoid this week with all the buys, but I'm feeling like this could be a down game for him. Cody, I have a very controversial take for you. Uh, I'm going to play Alec Pierce over Amari Cooper this week and maybe get a lot of flack for it, but I, uh, I feel pretty strongly in Pierce's game, and I do think Cooper is going to have a down week. Yeah, I think that's pretty crazy, but um, as long as you are strong in your convictions, then that's good for you. I just think uh, um, Alec Pierce has looked good, so I'm not going to take anything away from him. I just think Amari Cooper is the, the unquestioned wide receiver one in this offense, and um, just on a week-to-week basis, I think that I would, I would rather bet on that as opposed to um, you know the, the second option and potentially the third option now that the um, – um, I don't know why I keep forgetting this guy's name. The Indianapolis running back is coming back. Um, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, thank you. You, may, you had, I forgot his name the other week, too, when we did this. But, but with him coming back and Michael Pittman, I just think that Alec Pierce probably comes down just a little bit. Um, I still think he's a good player, good rest-of-season option, but I, I would take Amari Cooper every time over Alec Pierce. We'll revisit that when we end up doing the uh, the review for Week 7, see if that take failed spectacularly or if I came through there. But yep. uh, Mari Cooper does have a tough matchup, manager expectations. David Njoku is a <clears throat> solid tight end start. He's pretty much locked in your lineup until he uh, you know moves out of the involvement that he has right now. It's uh, pretty hard to find in the tight end position. On the Baltimore side, we're obviously starting Lamar Jackson. Uh, and for the running backs, it's a tougher conversation. Looks like J.K. Dobbins. I didn't actually mention him in the uh, the injury section of the, the pod. That was my mistake. J.K. Dobbins has not been practicing this week, and after his knee injury scare last week, had it tightened up on him, according to the Baltimore staff. I would expect them to be cautious with him and probably hold him out this week. Even if he ends up playing, I'm not going to be confident starting him. It's very disappointing because this Cleveland run defense has been horrible. So would have been an exciting start. But now we're looking at Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill. And I really don't like starting either one of these guys, even with the very soft matchup, just because it's impossible to know how the split is going to be uh, put together here. I don't know how you feel, Cody, if you have more confidence in one of these guys. But I'm pretty much just avoiding the Baltimore backfield this week. Yeah, it is 100% um, in a void if possible. But if you went out and you blew a waiver wire, um, you know, addition on Kenyon Drake or spent a little bit of fab on him because you needed a start this week, he would be the guy I would start in this backfield. But again, if you can avoid anybody from this, if you can avoid this backfield, I would do it completely. Yeah, I just think the possibility of a total goose out of one of these guys just exists, and I don't have any confidence predicting who it's going to be. So I would even go as far as the Atlanta running backs over these guys just because I know I'm going to get some touches out of them. Uh, the rest of the guys on Baltimore are pretty easy. I think if Rashad Bateman plays, he's in your lineup. Cleveland has been a pretty soft matchup overall, and he is going to be very necessary to this offense when he's in. So Bateman's a play, and then Andrews again. Keep an eye on his injury. Bateman may even be more necessary to this offense if Andrews can't go, but I think, um, you know, obviously Andrews is in if he's playing, and if he doesn't play, I think Isaiah likely is kind of an interesting tight end flyer. 
I'd probably put him above the, you know, Evan Ingrams and Hayden Hursts of the world if Mark Andrews is not in there. But on the Baltimore side, it's pretty easy. Avoid the running backs, start Lamar Jackson, start Bateman if he plays, and then uh, likely is a option if Andrews doesn't go. But obviously Andrews is in your lineup if he plays. Yeah, would you give Devin DuVernay another chance if Rashad Bateman happens to miss? I don't think I would. I, I, I just – it. You saw Demarcus Robinson lead the wide receiver room in targets last week. Doesn't seem like uh, we can guarantee touches for Devin DuVernay like we thought we could uh, coming into that game. So I was pretty disappointed with his involvement. I think he's a flyer if Bateman doesn't go, but he's not someone that I am confidently starting like I was last week with him. Yep, I'm I'm right there with you. He, he bit me last week. I'm probably avoiding him if I can. Detroit at Dallas. Uh, Dallas favored by seven points in this one. Over-under is 49. Uh, Pretty juicy over-under in this one. Hopefully the game lives up to the billing. On the Detroit side, I think Jared Goff's a high-end QB2. The matchup scares me off of him in one quarterback leagues. I think we've talked about some other streamers, and we'll talk about some other streamers. I prefer over Goff this week, so probably avoiding him in one quarterback formats. On the running back side, it's uh, pretty easy. Again, DeAndre Swift is in if he plays. You kind of still have to monitor that injury situation. Doesn't seem like he's totally over his ailments, but he, if he's in, uh, he's going to be hard to sit. He's just incredibly talented. And then I think Kareem, I think, uh, excuse me, Jamal Williams profiles as kind of a diet Kareem Hunt if DeAndre Swift is in the lineup. He's going to get some opportunities, but his passing game involvement will be limited. And again, against a tough defense, I'm not necessarily excited to start the the backup running back on Detroit. Don't know if you disagree there, but uh, definitely starting Swift if he's in. And then Williams is a desperation heave uh, if Swift plays. Yep, I, I do agree with that. I think Jamal Williams is you know a great insurance piece and a nice handcuff to DeAndre Swift, but... Um, I it's very risky business to rely on Jamal Williams to score a touchdown every week for fantasy football. So if you were relying on that, or if you still are post his bye week, I would uh, look to maybe try and make some trades and, and solidify that flex option a little bit more. Yeah, we're not dropping Jamal Williams, but he is a bench piece uh, while DeAndre Swift is healthy for me. On the wide receiver side for Detroit, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is an obvious start. And honestly, I like whoever the number two is here, but uh, there is some murky injury situations going on here. Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark have both missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday, so their statuses need to be monitored if you want to flex one of these guys. I think Josh Reynolds is clearly the guy I prefer. His target involvement has been pretty good, even with St. Brown in the lineup. And they should have to be chasing points against Dallas. So if Reynolds plays and, uh, you know, Chark sits, I'll be pretty confidently starting him in a flex spot. But, again, you need to watch the injuries on these guys, and it's probably going to end up just being St. Brown as a confident play on the wide receiver side. Yep, I think that's kind of where I'm at already. Uh, St. Brown would be the guy I'd want in my lineup, and then Josh Reynolds is kind of that desperation heave as a flex option for me. Um, If Chark doesn't play and Josh Reynolds does, he does get a slight bump up, but uh, not enough to get me too excited. And um, I think I would probably avoid Josh Reynolds in a a fully non-PPR league just just because he may not get enough work to be super relevant. Um, He may get a couple of receptions, but they might just be for short yardage. So. I, again, probably, probably trying to avoid, but I get it if it's a if it's a desperation heave for Reynolds. 
And then, uh, as we mentioned earlier, our perennial tight end seven, that is TJ Hawkinson. He's a low-end starter and uh, just kind of will live in this range week to week. This should be a decent week for him considering the uh, you know the, the over-under and the fact that they should be chasing points in this one. But he is yep. just kind of that perennial low-end starting option at the tight end spot. Yep, he has a range of one point to 40 points. You just you know he's going to fall somewhere in there just about every single week. <laughs> Uh, you come to the Fantasy Football Podcast for hard-hitting analysis, and uh, you can expect 1 to 40 points for TJ Hawkinson this week. Uh, guarantee that. Um, on the <laughs> Dallas side, <laughs> Dak Prescott uh, is coming back this week, and you can put him to, right into your lineup. This should be a great spot for him. This is probably the softest matchup that you can have in, uh, in fantasy football. That's Detroit at home. Terrible defense and a good offense is what you want out of the opposing team for your fantasy quarterback. So Dak Prescott, his first week back, you can confidently play him. I'm hoping that uh, this offense can get going even more than it was under Cooper Rush with Prescott under center. And then the the running back room, again, we're, uh, we're pretty confident about these guys as well. Pollard, uh, a little bit less so just because of his low volume, but Ezekiel Elliott's next month is very juicy, and he should start that out with a good game against Detroit here. Hopefully he can keep it rolling after a solid week against a tough Philly run defense uh, last week. Tony Pollard, like we said, lower volume, so he's kind of a riskier play, but if you were to bet on him hitting a home run in any week, this would probably be it against a weak Detroit run defense. I'm going to throw out a few guys uh, for you to give me a temperature on with Tony Pollard and see where you're at. We're going to go Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, Brian Robinson Jr., or Jerry Judy. Absolutely. So this is actually a pretty good uh, group of players here. Number one, I'm going to put Brian Robinson Jr., just pretty much based solely on his workload and opportunity. He, he's going to be the main guy in Washington. Uh, number two, I'd have Hunt. I just think he's the best player out of the four that you listed um, and should, you know, like we've kind of said, should kind of get some of that workload back. Number three would be Pollard. I think this is just a great matchup, and he, he actually has a chance to break off a really long run or catch in this game. And then number four would just be Judy. Um, and it just comes down to if there's an if I can be out on Denver options, I want to be. Um, obviously, you know, tough to bench Judy with the bye weeks and such, but just the Denver options aren't looking very juicy right now. Yeah, I think I would agree with your list, honestly, pretty much all the way through. Uh, I think I might put Hunt above Robinson Jr., but not yeah, a strong lean too. one yeah. way or another. For the wide receivers for Dallas, uh, it's pretty easy. We're starting CeeDee Lamb. And then Michael Gallup, again, you can definitely play him. I would probably pretty much throw him in that tier that we've talked about with Alec Pierce. I would play him over Amari Cooper. Again, probably a controversial take, but I just like the matchup here, and I think uh, there's a pretty good chance he scores a touchdown in this one against Detroit. So... Uh, I think you have a dissenting opinion on Gallup, but uh, I would be pretty confidently playing him this week in a flex spot. Yep, I, I don't mind you at all playing him in a flex spot. I think that's perfectly fine. I think I'm still going to take Cooper over him, and then I think Alec Pierce and Michael Gallup are essentially the same players, um, both you know the number potentially the number three option on their offenses, um, and both offenses should be – decent enough so um i don't mind him and yeah if you're gonna bet on him to score a touchdown this would be the week to do it because D- dallas may put up 40 points on this pretty bad detroit defense so that's a, that's a pretty good argument there for gallup um but i, I would still start C- cooper over him for sure 
And uh, for tight ends, uh, Dalton Schultz is the guy we're looking at, but he's just a stash right now. Hasn't shown us anything to uh, confidently put him in our lineups, but we're hoping that with Dak coming back that he regains the rapport that he had with him last year. So uh, I think if Dalton Schultz is on your waiver wire, he's somebody I would go stash on your bench just in case, uh, even if you have a good tight end because you know there's going to be somebody in your league that's going to need a starting tight end at some point this year. So he'd be a good trade piece to have on your bench if he comes back and is the guy we kind of expected him to be coming into this year. Yep. Anything else on Detroit and Dallas, Cody? Nope. Green Bay at Washington is our next game. Green Bay favored by four and a half points. Pretty surprising to see them only favored by four and a half, especially with Washington moving to a backup quarterback. Uh, it says a lot about how Vegas views Green Bay right now. Over under a gross 41 and a half points. Uh, on the Green Bay side, Aaron Rodgers. I'm not really excited to start him right now. His ceiling is just really low. I would expect him to have uh, a pretty high floor in this game, especially against the weak Washington defense, but... I'm just not incredibly excited to start him. I'd probably start him over Trevor Lawrence and Marcus Mariota, but he'd be below the the Tuas and the Derek Carrs of the world, who we'll get to a little bit later, but just not incredibly uh, excited to put Rodgers in my lineup right now. On the running back side, Aaron Jones, he's in your lineup, but if he duds again, we'll probably have to have a conversation about his weekly startability. Just, uh, you know, the workload just really has not been there the way that we would hope for him, hoping he gets a little bit more involved in the passing game. But Aaron Jones needs to come through this week in a, uh, you know, a bad match, or excuse me, a bad, I guess it is a bad matchup for him because Washington is stronger against the run than the def- uh, than against the pass. But uh, he should still be able to come through in this game. A.J. Dillon's kind of a similar story. His workload's been there, but the production just really hasn't been. This whole offense has kind of been off. You're hoping he gets into the end zone this week, but another guy I'm not incredibly excited to start, uh, that is A.J. Dillon, Cody. Would you rather start A.J. Dillon or Tony Pollard against the Lions? Um, I think I would have to start Tony Pollard against the Lions uh, just based on matchup there. Um, not not very happy to have to say that because I think we both were kind of hoping A.J. Dillon would break into that Kareem Hunt um, of old, like um, – I think that's what we were kind of expecting, obviously not what is happening there. Um, So I would slightly lean Pollard, but if A.J. Dillon came out this week and had a great game, I would not be surprised just because we know that he's capable of it. But when you're just looking at what's happened so far this season and the two matchups, I would have to lean Pollard. Yeah, I think I would too, and I think that kind of says all you need to know about uh, where A.J. Dillon stands right now in the fantasy community. So uh, we're hoping that he can bounce back, but I'm not incredibly confident uh, predicting that happens. On the wide receiver side, I think this is where we have a little bit more confidence. This is a very, very soft matchup. Washington has the worst schedule-adjusted defense against wide receivers so far this year. So Alan Lazard's a pretty confident play. He's been very solid so far this year, even in games where Green Bay as a whole has not done very well. So I think you can pretty confidently play him. And then Romeo Dobbs is the guy that's a little bit more of a conversation here. His targets are there, so... We would expect him to bounce back at some point, but if the production keeps um, you know, not being there with the targets, then Rodgers is just going to end up moving away from him. I think um, you know, without Randall Cobb for a few weeks, Dobbs is going to get his opportunity, but he's going to need to come through in one of these next couple games to uh, you know, keep having that opportunity consistently. So, Cody, this week, would you rather start Romeo Dobbs, Michael Gallup, uh, Travis Etienne, or Tony Pollard? 
Yeah, I think Dobbs is going to be at the bottom of that list for me. Um, just getting wow. the order of the other names is is what's difficult. I think I'd go Gallup number one, ETN, then Pollard, and then uh, and then Dobbs. Dobbs, but it's just he does get a bump up because Randall Cobb is going to be out. So. Aaron Rodgers won't be able to just hyper-target Randall Cobb like he has done. So I guess that, that does give Dobbs a little bit of a bump. But I just, in this offense, I've, I'm just remained consistent here. I want the guys that Aaron Rodgers has thrown to in the past, and that's Alan Lazard and Robert Tanyan. And, um, you know, he has Dobbs, and then he also has um, Christian Watson, who's been completely irrelevant this season. So I just, both of those rookie options to me are just extremely high uh, boomer bust options for me and I'd rather just have the older veteran guys that he just seems to be more confident throwing the ball to so I'm just out on Dobbs I never was really in on him so I feel like it's kind of easy for me to say that but there's just there isn't a situation I'm going to feel very confident playing him in yeah, I'm probably a little higher on Dobbs, especially this week than you are. Uh, I kind of agree. I didn't. I think we both really weren't in on spending a lot of fab on him when that week came up that he, uh, you know, had his boom week uh, early in the year. But I think Dobbs has the matchup here. And again, there is a lot of receivers on by that are usually in lineup. So if you have to throw him in your flex spot, you could do worse. But we're not incredibly confident starting him. I would agree. I would go uh, Gallup and ETN over him. I'd probably start Dobbs over Pollard in a PPR or half PPR format just because of the guaranteed touches there uh, with Romeo Dobbs. But Robert Tunyon is the next guy that we're talking about here. Uh, He probably falls a little bit below the confident starts at the tight end position, like the David Njoku's, TJ Hawkinson's, and Kyle Pitts's of the world, but I would put him above the other streamers that we have listed thus far. So if you have a guy that's on by or you're just struggling at the tight end position in general, I think Tunyon is a solid option this week, especially with Randall Cobb out. He should be pretty necessary to this offense for at least a couple weeks. Yep, Yep, I completely agree with you on Tunyon. Washington, uh, this conversation is going to be a little shorter. Taylor Heineke is a low-end QB2 this week. Uh, Again, a tough matchup to walk into here for Heineke, so I would like to see what happens here before I'm trusting any of these Washington guys necessarily. On the the running back sides, Brian Robinson Jr. is the only guy we're looking at. The Green Bay run D has been really bad the past few weeks, but um, Brian Robinson Jr. is somebody that you just have to manage your expectations on. He has... Basically zero passing game involvement. I don't think that's going to change with Heineke under center. So he's a low-end RB2. He has a pretty low floor because of the lack of catches, but uh, this is a game that he should have a pretty good chance of scoring a touchdown in. So I don't know how you feel about Robinson this week, but I think he's in the low-end RB2 category. Yeah, he's... He has to be started with the the running backs that are on buys and the ones that are you know injured or may potentially miss. So he he's definitely a startable asset for fantasy. Where I'd slot him, yeah, I could see him getting into that low end RB two. He may get maybe mid tier RB two if he has a good week, gets in the end zone. Um, but yeah, he's you know that flex level to low end RB two is pretty right for Brian Robinson. I don't mind him. I'm just. I didn't read something saying the coaching staff may want to give Gibson's, Gibson some more work than he had last week. So I, I Robinson is the guy I'm going into this week confidently starting, but I wouldn't be surprised if next week we're you know talking about the split that this backfield may have had. So I just I'm a little iffy on Brian Robinson for the rest of the season, but I would play him this week for sure. 
Yeah, I think if he has a big week this week, I would consider selling high on Brian Robinson. I'm just not really in on this Washington offense as a whole. And again, this is going to be a guy that's going to have dud weeks moving forward because of his lack of passing game involvement. If he doesn't get into the end zone in the ground, on, if he does not get in the end zone on the ground, it is going to be tough for him to have a good week for fantasy. And I did see that report that you mentioned about Gibson. It seemed more coach speaky to me than necessarily having a ton of substance. Ron Rivera, especially a guy that has those type of quotes quite a bit, is very like it's very pro player. So he'll try to build his guys up uh, a lot of the time. But I'm not necessarily believing that means we're going to see a shift in the way that uh, they construct their backfield touches. But something to keep an eye on for sure on Antonio Gibson. Maybe they get him a few more t- few more touches this week, hoping to uh, to move him in a trade potentially in the next couple weeks. Next couple weeks. That is very true. I didn't even think about that, but they definitely may just give him like five more carries just to try and boost his value a little bit. They they should be trying to move him if they can, uh, especially after what you just saw Christian McCaffrey go for. You'd think they could at least get a late round pick for Antonio Gibson. Yeah. Um, for the wide receivers, I think Terry McLaurin's the only guy I'm comfortable with this week, especially with Heineke coming into the fold. I would prefer to wait and see on really all of them, just because. But we saw a rapport between McLaurin and Heineke last year. He showed a tendency of uh, hyper-targeting him. So I'm okay playing McLaurin this week, especially in a game where, I mean, I'm not as confident saying they'll be chasing points with the way this Green Bay offense has looked, but they should be at least down in this game at some point. So you'd hope McLaurin gets a few extra targets because of that. Uh, But Curtis Samuel, I'm really trying to avoid this week. I just don't know what to expect with Heineke under center. Yeah, I think this is the first time in a couple weeks that you're like somewhat even excited to start McLaurin, and it's because of a what should be a downgrade at quarterback. So um, I, I agree with you. I, I think I'm a little bit more excited to start McLaurin, but Samuel and, and any of the other options here, I think you just have to wait on and and see if Heineke's going to spread the ball around as much as um, <clears throat> uh, Carson Wentz was, but. He may go back to just, you know, hyper-targeting Terry McLaurin and, you know, might be good for McLaurin owners because he may actually get back to that wide receiver two uh, status that he was pre-draft. Yeah, and I didn't mention Dehan Dotson here in the doc, but he re-aggravated uh, his hamstring injury this week, uh, unfortunately for him. So he'll probably miss this week and most likely uh, next week as well uh, after a re-aggravation of that hamstring injury. So disappointing news for Dotson, but he will probably be out for a couple more weeks. Um, anything else on Green Bay, Washington? Nope, I think we nailed it all. Tampa Bay at Carolina is our next one. Uh, Tampa Bay favored by 11 points on the road. I would expect that line to maybe even increase now that McCaffrey's not uh, on the fold for Carolina. Over-under is 40 points. So if you are a mathematician, you can probably figure out that that does not leave many points for the Carolina Panthers in this one, uh, according to Vegas. On the Tampa Bay side... Tom Brady's solidly in the starting tier this week. Um, you can't avoid him with all the buys, most likely, but I am a little nervous about uh, Brady in this one. I just don't think Carolina is going to put any scoreboard pressure on Tampa Bay, so if they go up early, it could uh, end up just being a lot of Leonard Fournette and Rashad White in this one, uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Brady's passing volume has been pretty encouraging the past few weeks. Um, on the running back side, Leonard Fournette's an obvious start. Rashad White, just a bench stash for now, um, but a pretty good one at that. I would call him a high-end handcuff. And for the wide receivers, uh, like I said, we could see a little bit of a lower passing volume week this week for Tampa Bay just because of the matchup with the uh, the poorest Carolina Panthers offense. But 
I can't see myself sitting Mike Evans or Chris Godwin in this one. I think you got to start them both. Godwin looked pretty healthy last week, so that was good to see. Um, anything on the uh, Tampa Bay options here? I'm going to mention Kate Otten in a second here, but go ahead and let you give your piece on Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't really think I have too much to add here. I think it's a pretty simple week for him. Um, if you could go a different way with Tom Brady, I don't necessarily mind it, but Tampa Bay has not looked good coming off a pretty bad loss last week to Pittsburgh. I wouldn't doubt it if they ran it up a little bit on Carolina. Um, so I, for that reason, I still think all of these options are fine plays this week. I think the fact that Tampa Bay looked bad last week gives me more confidence in them this week uh, for just the reason you you mentioned there, Cody. I think that they could maybe try to make this a get-right week against a, a weaker Carolina team. So they you for could sure. see one of those one of those uh, halves where Tom Brady's up 28-3 to in the third quarter and still throwing the ball uh, like we've seen the past couple years with Bruce Arians as the coach. So hopefully for Tom Brady owners, that is the case. I have uh, Tom Brady and Chris Godwin in our uh, mini dynasty league, so I am hoping that is the case as well. But Kate Otten is the other guy that we want to mention here. He's a risky, is a, definitely a risky but interesting bye week fill-in. Uh, I think with the, again, the, the possible lack of passing volume in this one. It scares me a little bit on Kate Otten, but he's been pretty involved when Brait's been out. Brait will definitely miss this one. So if you have Dallas Goddard or if you have, uh, you know, an Irv Smith or somebody else on a bye, then he is a guy you can consider throwing in your lineup. Yep. On the Carolina. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Nope, I was just saying low-end option, but, again, don't mind it, but definitely not someone that you want to rely on on a season-long basis. So if you are, I would just recommend uh, maybe trying to fill out that position somewhere, some way through a trade or something like that. And on the Carolina side, this can be a pretty short conversation. Uh, we're not considering P.J. Walker even in two QB formats against this great uh, Tampa defense. On the running back side, obviously McCaffrey will not be in this week. He is uh, on the 49ers now. So it's Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. I don't know how the split's going to be uh, managed here, and this is an incredibly tough matchup against the Tampa Bay run defense. So I'm not even considering either one of these guys. Uh, I think they're both just stashes, and we're just waiting and seeing how their involvement is split here. Uh, and then for wide receivers, obviously DJ Moore is pretty much the last man standing in this Carolina offense from a playmaker standpoint. Uh, this is, again, I think somebody that you want to hold on your bench just in case Sam Darnold comes back and the passing offense can at least become below average rather than completely putrid as it is now. I saw a stat uh, earlier in the week that was pretty incredible. P.J. Walker last week had a negative A dot, which uh, ab the average depth of target means uh, just how far down the field you are throwing the ball on average. And for a quarterback to have a negative A dot is just Incredible. I think it speaks to where this Carolina offense is right now. So I don't expect DJ Moore to get it right in this game, but moving forward could be an option. He's really the only guy on Carolina that has big play potential anymore. So they're going to have to hyper target him. Yeah, I I agree. I think the CMC trade kind of boosts DJ Moore up a little bit. Um, again, obviously not this week, but just rest of season. Whereas you know he was droppable before. I don't think you can drop him now because he should get all of the work in this offense as he's the only person that's even somewhat of a um, a game breaker. So. Hopefully they can find ways to get him more involved. But, yeah, just this week I think there's not a single startable asset on the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, the fact that we're excited about a potential Sam Darnold return should tell you all you need to know about where this uh, passing game is right now for the Carolina Panthers. Um, 
Houston at LA, or excuse me, Las Vegas is our next game. Uh, the Raiders favored by seven points in this one at home. Over-under is 45 and a half. I think that over-under may find its way onto our best bet segment. I really like the over in this one. Both these defenses are very suspect, and um, both these offenses are actually, I would call them decent, especially on the Vegas side, and Houston I think has some potential this week as well. Starting with the Houston Texans. I think uh, Davis Mills is actually a solid option in two QB leagues this week, especially if you have uh, some trouble with buys. I think he's somebody that you can slot in. This Raiders defense has been very bad and the worst in the league uh, schedule adjusted against uh, quarterbacks as well. So I think Davis Mills is a solid option in uh, two quarterback formats. Uh, for the running backs, obviously we're starting Damian Pierce across the board. He should be a smash play this week against, again, a weak Raiders run defense. And then uh, four wide receivers, I think Brandon Cooks is the main beneficiary of this soft matchup. He's a start. If Nico Collins outproduces him once again, I think it's, uh, last I read, it's four straight weeks Nico Collins has had more receiving yards than Brandon Cooks. So definitely something to keep an eye on, but the targets have still been there. So I think if Brandon Cooks has a good week this week and shows himself as the number one, then I'll be confident starting him moving forward. But if it's Nico Collins again, I think we have to have a conversation. And then in his own right, I think Nico Collins is in that flex range uh, this week as well just because of, again, this very soft matchup. Yep, I do also want to note that Nico Collins should be rostered in the majority of leagues. Um, if he isn't already, I just rookie wide receivers or just any kind of rookie offensive pieces the week after buys usually see it. A little bit of an uptick in their involvement, so he may uh, just become a solid producer for this offense. Now, with Brandon Cook still being there, do you want the you know second passing option for Davis Mills? And eh, that can kind of be left up in the air, but uh, definitely something just to be on the lookout for. And you made if he's still available, may maybe worth rostering just for uh, potential breakout purposes later on this season. Yeah, I like the prospect Nico Collins uh, coming into this year, so uh, I. Like having have, having him as a flyer in a deep league, uh, you're probably going to be pretty matchup dependent with him moving forward, but could be a solid option if he is to take over the number one role in this offense somehow uh, from Brandon Cooks. On the Vegas side, uh, I think we're pretty much starting the options across the board here. Derek Carr, I'd call him a low-end starter. Starting him over Trevor Lawrence, starting him over Rodgers, starting him over Tua. I don't know if you disagree on any of those uh, options there, but I'm pretty confident in Derek Carr at home against Houston. This should be a week you can uh, confidently put him in your lineup. Yeah, I think I think he's a he's in the tier above those four names that you listed right there for sure. And then uh, the rest of the options are pretty easy. Josh Jacobs, we're starting. Devontae Adams, we're starting. Darren Waller, we're starting if he plays. He's another guy you have to watch. I failed to mention him in the injury segment as well, mea culpa. But Darren Waller has a uh, hamstring injury that he's nursing right now, so just keep an eye on him. If he ends up going this Sunday, you can definitely play him. And I think even Mac Collins is a startable option with uh, that Hunter Renfro news I laid out earlier. He probably won't go. So I think Mac Collins and Nico Collins kind of fall into the same category as deep league flyers. But uh, in a game that should be pretty heavy on points, I think you can uh, throw him in there if you're desperate. Yep, I agree with you. I think the I think the Raiders are really easy this week, and I actually like that Matt Collins call out. I think he's he's worth a shot in deep leagues if you, uh, especially in PPR. Jets at Broncos. Uh, Denver favored by one and a half points in this one. Over under is a disgusting thirty eight points. 
think uh, this will be a pretty short conversation here on these options, uh, especially on the Jets side. Zach Wilson we're not considering. Uh, the Jets have been winning recently, but it's mostly been on the back of their running game and their defense. Uh, Zach Wilson really hasn't shown us anything to uh, c consider him in fantasy leagues quite yet. Uh, Brees Hall is obviously in your lineup. Uh, I'm not considering Michael Carter anymore uh, until he shows a little bit more uh, involvement. I think Brees Hall has pretty much taken over this backfield, though. And Denver's run defense has been uh, where you want to exploit them. So I, I like Brees Hall a lot in this matchup. I think he will get a ton of work. Um, on the wide receiver side, I mentioned earlier the Elijah Moore news. He, uh, again, requested the trade. He won't play this week. I expect him to remain on the roster, but... Maybe the condensation of targets can help out Davis and Wilson, but this is a very, very tough matchup and a game that doesn't expect a lot of points. So I'm pretty much avoiding both of these guys at, at all possible. And uh, again, uh, hopefully the condensation can help, but Moore did not get any targets last week and both these guys didn't have great days. So I don't see how you could expect either one of them to uh, perform for you. Yeah, it's very easy for the Jets for me. Um, same thing as it has been. Hall is the only guy I really want to start. And Wilson w w has been the other startable asset for me. But if he's lining up against Pat Sertan um, for the majority of the snaps on Sunday, I, I would just sit Wilson for this week. Um, so at, the at that point, it's just Brees Hall and hold everybody else. Yeah, 100%. Brees Hall, and that's about it for the Jets. Uh, on the Denver side... We're not considering Russell Wilson this week. I need him to show me something before I put him in my lineup, especially in a game with an over-under this low. I'm not excited to start him. He's got a hamstring and a shoulder injury, so really just need Russell Wilson to heal up and get right uh, before we are considering him for fantasy. And the running back room is also something I'm completely avoiding this week. Melvin Gordon was named the starter by the coaching staff earlier this week. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. He was the starter going into the game against the Chargers as well, so... It's anyone's guess as to how this split will go. If you spent up on Latavius Murray and you are very desperate, I guess you can throw him in there, but I'm not confident predicting how uh, this backfield split will be laid out between uh, Latavius and Melvin. I don't know if you feel any differently. No, I, I have no idea. I guess I would... I mean, if you had paid up or you need a start and you have either of these two on your roster, there you could put either of them in your lineup, but... I'm just going to have to assume this is going to be a close to a 50-50 split. Um, Latavius Murray looked actually pretty good with the touches that he had last week. And like I said, they just took Gordon completely off the field and it was not due to any injuries or anything. So I think you could put both in your lineup, but you're just holding your breath with either of them. Um, you would like to have another option, but like you said, you probably just spent up on Fab or you burned your waiver wire um, position for either of these two guys in the past couple of weeks. So, um, And if you did that, that means you probably needed a starter, so you put them in there. But like I said, you're holding your breath, hoping that one of them kind of gets the majority of the workload. And then for the wide receivers for Denver, uh, it's not, not a lot of confidence in this room right now. Cortland Sutton is still a start, but... Last week's dud has definitely lowered my confidence in him in general. The Jets have also had a really solid secondary to this point in the year. Ahmad Gardner uh, should see a lot of Portland Sutton this Sunday, and he has been very good to this point. So 
I would not be incredibly confident in Sutton, although he's probably in your lineup as a wide receiver too. Uh, moving forward, hopefully he can get back on track. And then Jerry Judy is kind of in the same boat. I'd call him a flex-level play. Tier below Cortland Sutton. Hopefully he gets to avoid uh, Ahmad Gardner and the tough corner matchup in the slot. But again, a game that has a low over-under. We're not incredibly excited about either one of these options, uh, although you're probably starting them because of the lack of options uh, as a whole in fantasy this week. Yep, yeah, you're not you're not really excited to start either of them, but you just have to trust the process with them, and hopefully they, you know, can get in the end zone or just this passing game can get a little bit more work. Uh, but with Denver, I just want to point out that uh, that Russell Wilson to have uh, was it any receiver over nine and a half passing touchdowns bet that was like plus two twenty. Yeah, Vegas might have known what they were uh, talking about with that one because it's looking it's looking really tough for these receiving options now. Yeah, Russell Wilson at over nine and a half passing touchdowns himself is a line that might be interesting <laughs> this year. So, uh, yeah, for one receiver, it does not look likely at this point. Um, Seattle at the Chargers uh, is the next game here. This one a little bit more exciting from a fantasy perspective. The Chargers favored by five and a half in this one at home. Over under is a juicy 50 and a half points. On the Seattle side, I think Geno Smith is a solid start this week. I'd put him in the same tier as Derek Carr and Tua, uh, probably right in the middle of those two guys if I was doing rankings. Uh, again, this is a game that should see some points. Uh, the Chargers defense has been beatable this year, and uh, I think I'm fine starting Geno Smith even coming off a relatively bad week against the Cardinals last week. I think that was more because of the you know the lack of pressure the Cardinals offense put on Seattle to score. So I think we should see a little bit of a better performance from the Seahawks in this one. Kenneth Walker is an absolute uh, smash play. This Chargers defense has been horrible against the run specifically. So I love Walker this week. Just traded him, uh, just traded for him in our mini dynasty format. Sent away Dalvin Cook in that trade, so I'm hoping Kenneth Walker can come through for me in uh, week one here on my team. Uh, but on the wide receiver side, DK Metcalf is a smash start. The Chargers, again, have been pretty generous to uh, all fantasy options, but the wide receivers especially. J.C. Jackson has not been quite the shutdown guy that we expected him to be thus far in the year. He actually got benched at one point last week against Denver. So D.K. Metcalf, you don't have to be scared playing him. And then Tyler Lockett, I want a piece of this game. If he plays, I, I will play him. But, again, this is somebody you just have to monitor. He has not played, uh, not practiced so far this week. So if he's out, D.K. Metcalf is even more of a smash play uh for me and then that's pretty much it on the seattle side i think you can start start gino start kenneth walker start dk metcalf start lockett if he plays um and then that's it yeah i think i think seattle is very easy and actually very nice for fantasy football because they have a lot of clear-cut options over there not not a lot of tough decisions you're having to make the Chargers side is going to be really similar, to be honest. Uh, this is, again, a game that we should see a lot of points, and the Chargers have a soft matchup across the board here. So we're pretty much starting any option that is uh, you know, a possibility. That would be Justin Herbert. He needs to get going this week. I will say he's had a few duds in a row, but I expect that he will. So we're definitely starting him. We're absolutely starting Austin Eckler. He's been great. Uh, even last week against a tough Denver defense, he had a pretty good game, kind of volumed his way to a good game there with uh, the 10 catches. But either way, Eckler will be involved. He's in your lineup. Mike Williams should be a big week for him. No Josh Palmer in this one. He's going to be out with a concussion. And then even if Keenan Allen plays, you'd assume he'd be somewhat limited. 
So uh, Mike Williams is a smash play. And then I'm fine playing Keenan Allen. This is a very similar story to the Seattle side. You're starting the number one, and you're even starting the number two if they play. You just got to keep an eye on the injury there. And then uh, on the tight end side, Gerald Everett, even if Allen plays, I'm okay playing Everett in this one again with the high over-under and uh, with the Josh Palmer injury. I am pretty comfortable putting Gerald Everett in my lineup. Yep. Yep. This is just another really good offense. And um, if Keenan Allen misses, then all of the other four players are all definitely smash plays. If Keenan Allen comes back, that makes me a little bit bit more hesitant on Everett, but – at this point in the week, if you don't have a pivot for Everett, you're not going to find a better one out there. So I think all five of them, even if Keenan Allen plays, are all startable players this week. Yeah, I would put Everett's uh, kind of right below that TJ Hawkins and Kyle Pitts tier and above the, the Robert Tunyon uh, and then the rest of the streamers that we've talked about so far, that tier. Gotcha. So Kansas City at San Francisco is our next one. KC favored by two and a half points in this one. Over-under is 48 and a half. Uh, on the Kansas City side, we're obviously starting Patrick Mahomes. Clyde edwards Elaire, a little bit more of a conversation here. <clears throat> uh, he has dudded the past two weeks for us, has not gotten into the end zone. He's pretty much held at the 10 to 14 opportunity range for most games. This is why we told you to sell high on him to begin with, but if you still have him, you probably just got to hold him at this point and hope that his value either rebounds or, um, you know, this becomes a little bit more of a clear-cut number one situation here, but I just don't expect that to happen. I think Clyde is somebody you can start in your RB2 spot, but you're basically hoping for a TD out of him uh, for a good week. Any, uh, Any disagreement there on Clyde? No, I think he's just, you know, he's 12 to 14 opportunities in a in a very good high-powered offense. So he's about a, about as boom-bust as, as it gets. Um, you can start him as a, as a running back, too. I think that's pretty much where his ceiling is. I know there's weeks where he's, you know, broken into that running back one. Um, but, yeah, I think running back two is kind of a ceiling, but he's kind of just a flex-level option at this point. Um I'm just I'm very very soured on Clyde Edwards-Alaire because it seemed like he had at least solidified his spot in the receiving game and he's kind of lost that over the past couple weeks as well. So just the 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 dud games are are much more likely when he's not getting that receiving work. And then uh, for the wide receivers, it's Juju Smith-Schuster as the guy you want right now in the room. Uh, but I'm not really confident that that's going to be the case moving forward. I think if Juju has another good week, I would try to sell high on him and uh, you know just hope that you can get a more consistent piece for the rest of the year. But we've talked about it with this Kansas City offense. Uh, it's just going to be Travis Kelsey week to week and then a couple other guys stepping up. It's going to be hard to know who it's going to be uh, you know, each week moving, uh, moving forward. So I think he can start Juju, but not somebody I'm incredibly confident in. Yeah, I think he's the number one wide receiver for this team, but he could absolutely bust uh, for fantasy football in any given week. So um, I would I would play him, but again, it's, it's just not with a lot of confidence. But if you had to play one of these guys, it would be Juju. And then obviously Travis Kelsey is in your lineup as well. Uh, on the San Francisco side, Jimmy G finds himself in the low end tier of streamers this week. Um, I think I would put him below the Tua Lawrence Mariota tier we talked about earlier, but he's probably in that tier actually, uh, just to, just the bottom of it. So 
if you have a you know a very competitive 12 team one quarterback league that holds uh, backups across the board Jimmy G is an option for you if you have buys but not somebody we're incredibly excited to start again his ceiling is pretty low probably lower than all of the other guys we just mentioned so even in a game they should be throwing a lot uh, there's just you know a guy that does not run the ball at all and an offense that wants to establish it on the ground if they have the option. So yeah. I am not incredibly confident starting Jimmy G, but if this if there's any game to play him, it's the one uh, this one against Kansas City at home where there should be a lot of points. The running back room is a little bit more of an interesting discussion. I don't even know if we can really properly have it quite yet. We just don't know what to do with the CMC situation. I think even if he plays, I'm going to be playing Jeff Wilson. I doubt that CMC will be worked into the offense enough to be uh, the workhorse back here. So there is a slight possibility that that's the case, and you get completely dudded by Jeff Wilson. But I think Wilson will be the guy in between the 20s. Either way, even if CMC's in, uh, I heard a rumor that he could be, you know, worked into some red zone packages, but who knows how it's going to go. I think I'm just sitting CMC this week and uh, seeing how it plays out if he plays. And then Jeff Wilson, you're getting one last week of him as a starter. Okay. That kind of makes me a little bit more confident because I was tilting on uh, Jeff Wilson in our mini dynasty league, but makes me feel a little bit better about him um if cmc does play i think i i think i would play cmc still um but i would feel a little bit better about also playing jeff wilson in that situation um especially if he's the guy getting it between the 20s he may just be able to rack up some yardage um but i feel like if cmc does play jeff wilson's gonna lose out on just about any valuable touch um so i think that's where they both become somewhat startable but yeah, I think hopefully they just they sit CMC for the week and it's just one more week of Jeff Wilson and then CMC can come in and be the guy next week. But if CMC plays, I think you could potentially play both of them. You may have to depending on your situation, but it's just going to be really weird to see how that works out. Um, probably going to try and maybe see if you can get any information on this before having to make a decision. But, yeah, it's, this is just a really weird one for me because um, – CMC should get the majority of the high value work, I would assume, if he does play, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very perplexed by this entire situation still. Yeah, I think um, the last report that I have seen says that Kyle Shanahan is not even committed to CMC being active for this one. So, again, like you said, this is just one that you're really going to have to monitor the reports that come out and just see what they're saying about how involved he's going to be. But at this point, the analysis I would give is Jeff Wilson is still a starter for one more week, and then I'm trying to avoid CMC if I can, uh, assuming that he's just not going to see a ton of snaps two days uh, after being acquired by the 49ers. So I think I would put him just above the tier of the like Atlanta guys if CMC is active, but not very confidently starting him. I think you could see you know four or five touches for him if he does play. Um, the wide receivers are uh, good plays this week. Obviously, we're starting Debo Samuel, but even Brandon IU coming off the big week against Atlanta last week is a good play. Should be uh, a positive game script for him, and we're hoping that uh, he gets the six to eight targets that you know we hope to get for Brandon Ayuk every week. But 
Um, I think moving forward, I, I think I think if Brandon Ayuk has a good week this week, he's a good sell high candidate as well. Similar to Juju, I just don't know if you can expect uh, him to be involved every week in the San Francisco offense. But uh, this Kansas City secondary has been pretty weak, and Kansas City should put up some points. So I think Brandon Ayuk is a solid play this week. And George Kittle is also in your lineup as well. Uh, he, again, showed out pretty well against Atlanta and should be necessary this week against a, uh, a soft Kansas City defense. Yeah, I think um, Ayuk is a really good play this week and definitely a sell-high candidate if he has a good week because I think CMC is going to be <clears> – <throat> CMC can come in here and kind of downgrade Brandon Ayuk a little bit. Uh, just the, he's heavily involved in the passing game, or at least has been, so – you know, if Ayuk goes from, you know, that, those six targets, six to eight that we are hoping that he sees, you know, and he's but and it goes down to where he's consistently seeing three to five, it's just hard to start someone in fantasy football when they're seeing that limited work. So um, if Ayuk does play, I think that he's a great sell-high candidate. Um, I just would not trust him rest of the season, especially with the addition of CMC. Yeah, totally agree with you there uh, about Brandon Ayuk. Could definitely lose out on some targets for uh, to Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Uh, the Sunday night game uh, is Pittsburgh at Miami. Miami favored by seven points in this one, over under 44 and a half. On the Pittsburgh side, we talked about it earlier, Kenny Pickett, he uh, should be good to go, is going to start this weekend after the concussion on Sunday. So hopefully he can make it through without any incidents, but... We will be closely monitoring his, uh, you know, his action in this one. Najee Harris is going to be very hard to sit with the buys this week, but you know we kind of know what to expect from him at this point. He's going to get the work, but uh, we'll probably be pretty inefficient with it, and you're kind of hoping he falls into the end zone or has uh, the pass-catching numbers to get you to a solid fantasy day. But this Miami defense has been pretty good, so I would not have a ton of confidence in Najee uh, in this one. And then uh, for the wide receivers, it's really muddied now that Chase Claypool had his breakout game. I'm hoping that that was more of a product of the mid, mid-game mid QB change uh, than anything else. So I think Deontay and George Pickens are the two guys I'm looking at uh, for the Steelers' wide receiver room, but not with a ton of confidence. We've kind of been out on these guys in general uh, from the start, so I think we, we kind of nailed that one uh, so far at least. Would you rather start uh, either one of these Pittsburgh guys or uh, Travis Etienne? That's gross. Um, <laughs> um, I think I would go – I think I'm still leaning Deontay Johnson in this receiving room um, over Pickens just slightly. So I think I'd go Deontay Johnson, Etienne, and then Pickens. Um, but – as I'm talking this out, they're all three, and even if we want to throw Pollard in there as well, they're all four kind of in that. They're all in a very similar tier, but I think I'd go Deontay Johnson, uh, Travis Etienne, Tony Pollard, and then George Pickens fourth, but that's not saying anything necessarily about Pickens. I just think they're all really, really similar players. I think I, I think I would switch Pickens and Johnson and then have the same list there just because uh, I have a little bit more confidence in Pickens as a player moving forward. I'm hoping he kind of emerges as the number one here. But um, yeah. With Pickett you know. at quarterback, having that faith in Pickens definitely is understandable. It's just, I don't know. This, this 
Pittsburgh offense is so hard to judge because I, I still see whenever I watch it, I still see Deontay Johnson as the main target guy, but Pickens just looks way better with the football in his hands. So I think rest of the season, I'm still on the Pickens train, but just until I see it fully break out, I think I just have to lean Deontay on a on a week to week basis. Yeah, I totally agree uh, with your analysis there. It's tough to trust him just yet. More of a gut call than anything else on my end, to be honest. And then uh, Chase Claypool, we're not chasing last week. Uh, He's a fine stash at this point to see if that involvement continues, but not somebody that uh, I'm recommending starting to any degree this week. And uh, Pat Fryermuth, he cleared concussion protocol, so he's good to go. I'd call him a low-end starter, I guess. I'd probably put him in the same tier as Robert Tunyon, maybe one spot below him, but above the you know the Hayden Hurst, the Daniel Bellingers, the Evan Ingrams of the world. Uh, so he's a fine play at the tight end position if you don't have anybody else, but he's in that low-end starting tier, especially coming off the concussion. It uh, might have... You know, might be a little bit worked into this offense rather than featured like he was earlier in the year. Yep. And then I think uh, Fryer Muth, if you're one of those guys with a really low end tight end, I'd go check your waiver wire because he may have gotten dropped last week when he missed. So if you're struggling at tight end, at least just go double check Fryer Muth isn't out there because I think he's a solid play uh, just about every week. Yeah, definitely a good call there. Make sure he is owned in your leagues. Uh, On the Miami side, Tua uh, is a start this week. Uh, We've talked about it already pretty much ad nauseum, but we're probably, you know, on the on the low end starting tier with Tua here, but not incredibly excited to start him one week off the injury. Uh, Again, this is just one of those things where you'd like to see somebody shake off the rust and play well before you're trusting him. But if you have buys at the quarterback position or you're just struggling there in general, you can go that route with Tua (coughs) on the running backs. Raheem Mostert's the guy we're looking at right now. I'm not incredibly excited to play him. This Pittsburgh run defense has been pretty good so far, but his workload alone makes him an RB2. He's going to be hard to avoid this week. Uh, Would you rather start Raheem Mostert or Najee Harris in this game, Cody? Uh, um, I guess if if I had both on my team, I would have to start Najee, but... I would bet Mostert ends up with more points, honestly, Um, as sad as that is to say. I just feel like the uh, Miami defense may be a struggle for the the Pittsburgh O-line, and, you know, Miami may may be able to run it just a little bit more. So I would would bet Mostert ends up scoring more than Najee Harris, but that's more of just a testament to Najee and Pittsburgh's O-line than anything else. So would you start Najee because you think he has a higher floor than Raheem Mostert? It sounds like you're a little more confident in Mostert as a player. I'm just wondering why you would play Najee over him. Um, I mean, if I had both on my roster, it would be hard for me to sit Najee in in place of Mostert. But I, I think the logical play, like if, if I was betting on who would score more points this week, it would be Mostert. But if I was betting on who would who has the higher ceiling, I would guess I would go Najee Harris. Um, but... I, I wouldn't play for ceiling this week just because this isn't a great matchup for Najee to to do that. So I would I would play Mostert, and I would bet he has more points this week. But like I said, it's just if I had both on my team, it's really hard to sit Najee Harris for Raheem Mostert. But I think yeah. it's the right play. Philosophically, I understand. Definitely tough to to hit the hit the submit button on Mostert over Najee in a fantasy uh, fantasy aspect. Just coming into this year. Clearly, uh, a very big deviation from what we were expecting. 
Um, on the wide receivers, we're obviously starting Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, again, just monitor to the injury situation with Waddell, but he's in your lineup if he plays. They're both just way too good to ever sit ever again. I don't think I'm going to even question it like I was last week with Waddell. Even with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater splitting time, he, again, had a huge week, so you just can't afford to sit either one of these guys. Yep. Mike Kosicki. Uh, is worked his way into the streaming category. Uh, if Waddle ends up sitting, I'd be actually pretty comfortable starting him. I'd probably put him just above the Robert Tunyon, uh, Pat Fryermuth tier. But if Waddle plays, then I think Kasiki is where he has been uh, to this point in the year. Pretty much tied a uh, touchdown or bust in that Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst category. So I'm uh, not chasing last week necessarily, but if Waddle misses, then I'd uh, be, feel a lot more comfortable starting him. Yeah, I don't necessarily mind that. I, I'm just out on Mike Gusecki. I <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I don't want to have to start him in any given week. So um, he likes to follow up big performances with really, really bad ones. So I'm just not going to chase what he did last week. Um, the pass catchers are just too good on this team. I, I don't want to have to rely on the third or fourth option. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, this could be another guy that we see maybe get worked in a little more just so Miami has uh, the ability to trade him. I know he's he's been uh, put into a lot of trade rumors recently. We'll see if he ends up getting moved. Could be uh, a little bit more interesting if that's the case. Kind of an interesting stash candidate just for that uh, purpose, just because tight end is so weak right now. But that's about all I'm looking at with Mike Kosicki. Uh, the Monday night game is a, another very interesting one. Uh, Chicago at the Patriots. New England favored by eight points here. Uh, over under 39 and a half. That does not leave very much for Chicago. Uh, their options are pretty easy at this point as far as uh, what we're considering in fantasy, and that's not much. Not looking at Justin Fields even in two QB formats this week. Just a really tough matchup on the road against the Patriots. And in the running back room, things were a little bit muddied this week when the coaching staff came out and said they were going to go with a hot hand approach between Montgomery and Herbert. Uh, you don't know always how to value these type of things. Uh, it could just be a little bit of coach speak here, uh, just kind of you know, trying to prop up Khalil Herbert because of his good performance so far. I think I'm still leaning Montgomery in a general sense just because when, when he's been in there, he's been the guy. He's gotten much more work than Herbert, so... Tough for me to recommend starting Herbert over Montgomery, but you know something to monitor if they actually follow through on it. Uh, Herbert could be a little bit more of an interesting option week to week, but I don't know if I'm very excited to start either one of these guys against this really tough Patriots defense. We just saw them shut down the the Browns running rushing attack, which is a very good one. So I think I'm starting Montgomery as a low end RB two, and that's it. Yep, I'm I'm right there with you, but I'm I'm not surprised by what they're saying with the hot hand approach. I believe Herbert had seven carries for 75 yards. So, I mean, when you have a running back popping off long runs like that, you know he's gonna you're gonna have you're gonna get questioned if you're not working him in at least a little bit. So, I think that you know it's definitely something that could be um, on the horizon. At least the Herbert Montgomery, you know. A little bit of a workload share there, um, but going into this week, you're right. You can't you can't start anybody besides Montgomery for this Chicago team, and with the tough matchup, you're not really excited to, but you probably just have to because it's going to be hard to have a um, <clears throat> either two running backs or multiple players better than Montgomery to where you're not even flexing them. So um, I think you have to play him this week, but it's. 
if you can find a way to not have to rely on them, I think I would. I just think that's going to be so hard to, uh, for people to do. But going in, yeah, like you said, I mean, it could be it could be a bad week for Montgomery. If, if Herbert gets some work against this really tough rush defense, I'm just – it's it's hard to have any kind of confidence in them. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Herbert just hasn't seen quite enough work yet for me to recommend starting him uh, oh, yeah, just yet, sure. but we will we'll see how it ends up working out. Dardo Mooney is just a bench stash for me right now. Not somebody uh, I think you can throw into your lineup against this uh, very tough New England defense, uh, somebody that we're just kind of waiting and seeing, hoping the target volume continues to be there for Darnell Mooney. Um, on the New England side, uh, it's going to be either Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. I honestly don't really care either way. I think both these guys uh, are pretty similar. It doesn't really move the needle for me for the pass catchers that much, other than one guy that I'll get to later. But uh, we'll see. I think Mac Jones is the guy I would expect to go in this one, uh, but we will have to just monitor his practice reports. On the running back side, Ramondre Stevenson's in your lineup, even if Damian Harris plays, but... Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how this how this split goes. If Harris comes back, will they just go directly back to the the fifty fifty split they had before, or has Stevenson earned a larger role in this offense? I don't know, but um, I am interested to find out if Harris is back. I think I'm sitting him as well, considering uh, the possibility that Stevenson has earned a larger share and the possibility that they just are careful with him coming off this hamstring injury. Yep, I think I think the running back room is really easy still. Um, even like you said, regardless if Harris suits up, I'm still gonna just start Ramondre and sit Damian Harris this week. And then uh, Jacoby Myers is a start. Might be a lower volume day for this passing attack. Uh, I don't see the Bears offense forcing New England to throw the ball a ton in this one, but uh, Myers has been really good so far this year. And again, with all the buys and fantasy relevant players off this week, it's gonna be hard to avoid him. And uh, Hunter Henry is the only guy that I think the quarterback situation actually uh, affects this week. I think he's a streamer if Zappi is in. He's been uh, pretty involved in the offense the past two weeks, but he really didn't do much the first few weeks when Mac Jones was in. So if it's Jones coming off the ankle injury, I'd be uh, pretty much just avoiding Henry at all costs at that point. But if it's Zappi... you can throw him in there, uh, probably just above that Evan Ingram Hunter. Uh, Evan Ingram and Hayden Hurst here that we talked about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So an hour forty five minutes in, there's if you're starting Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, you're you're starting the the low end tier of, of startable uh, tight ends there. I think we've listed a, a solid twelve guys you can start over them. So make sure to go find them on your waiver wire. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you there with Hunter Henry. Um, luckily, I, he's not in the picture for me in any of my leagues because I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in him. But um, he does seem to have a good connection with Zappy, so could be a uh, a, a nice little uh, play there for you. But that'll that'll wrap up week seven. Uh, hopefully, that everything goes exactly as we have predicted, unlike the uh, first six weeks. But <laughs> I am uh, I, I am excited. Uh, crazy to think that, I mean, on a fantasy football aspect, we're basically halfway through the season or we're going to be getting there through the next couple of weeks. So um, I'm, I'm surprised at the amount of change that happens in fantasy, you know, at least just halfway through the season, all the different running backs, wide receivers that get shuffled through rosters and go up and down value-wise. So 
crazy to think about. But uh, Nick, do you have anything else for the people or are you ready to get out of here? Let's get out of here, Cody. Um, I think we have discussed everything that we need to to this point. Definitely keep an eye out for that Best Bets episode that will come out tomorrow. I'm hoping to keep my hot streak going. But uh, other than that, good luck this weekend. And we will talk to you again with our Week 7 review on Monday night. Yep, for sure. Peace out, everybody. See you guys.